Hi, this is Graham Brown and welcome to the Excel Podcast. The Excel Podcast is a platform for the bigger conversations about leadership in the 2020s. Who's leading? How are they leading? And what stories do they have to share? Through the stories of leaders, we'll address the big challenges of our times from the era of AI to the Asian century to nurturing a new generation of entrepreneurs. If you're enjoying these conversations, subscribe to the podcast at xlpodcast.org. Hey everybody, welcome to the Excel Podcast. Excel is all about leadership in the exponential era. A big part of leadership is today, innovation, transformation, purpose. You know, what problems are we solving and for who in the business? Um, we're going to get deep dive into innovation and purpose today and really help understand it better at all kind of levels drawing a map for those who are involved, whether you have innovation in your job title or you feel it's important in your job or you're leading a team in transformation, innovation is going to be a core part of what you do. Interestingly, on this day in history, as we do this podcast, 95 years ago, scientists at Bell Labs, you remember those guys in the US, revealed a system for transmitting television pictures. So it's almost 100 years ago to the day. And well, people debate about who actually invented TV. But actually, probably it was one of many people, the history books cite 17 potential innovators for some form of televisual broadcast that can lay claim to that title. But rather than being one eureka moment, Maybe innovation is a lot more decentralized than we give it credit for. Here we are on Zoom today. We take a lot of this innovation for granted and we're broadcasting to you by audio. And But we're surrounded by innovation on a day-to-day -day basis. So what do you do about it? How do you innovate? Who is involved in innovation and what kind of processes can you put in place to make it better? To answer all those questions today, I'm joined by Natalie Turner, the co-founder of the Entheo Network. And you may know her from publications such as Yes, You Can Innovate. She is the innovator behind this, the six eyes of innovation, which we're going to learn about today. Um, she's worked in the, and helped the transformation efforts building innovation systems of leading corporate names such as DBS Singapore, um, Leo Pharma Asia, Kellogg, Singapore Airlines, Cisco Systems, amongst many others. Natalie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Graham. Great to be here. Well, I had to quickly look up Entheo, the <laughs> meaning of, and uh, we just had a chat about that, a bit of etymology for those who are students of ancient Greek out there. I'm sure they know it already, but what's the meaning behind that? Mm. The meaning, well, the secular meaning, shall we say, behind um, the word entheo is actually the root of enthusiasm. To be enthused comes from the word entheo. Mm. So if you think about when you feel enthusiastic, you feel a sense of energy, of spirit, of life in you. And I wanted a word that would epitomize that, really. When we feel that we are in alignment to what we, we want to do in life, when we're in alignment with our skill set, our ways of thinking, we can create amazing things together. So that's the root of, root of the word. I'm interested in what amazing things are. I mean, we all know innovation. But actually, what is it 
I mean, if you were to ask the average person in the street what innovation is, I'm sure people would point to examples like Elon Musk, you know, maybe Steve Jobs. They would point to these examples, and these tend to be what the media likes to mm-hmm. focus on as innovation. Is that innovation in your mind? Have we kind of maybe left out a big part of the story? When you talk about innovation, what is innovation to you? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that this is one of the big issues is that in people's minds, they associate innovation with technology, um, with technological disruption, with things that are quite radical. And whilst, of course, Hmm. that is true, it's not that that isn't innovation. Innovation is so much more than that. I I like to use a quite a simple term that innovating is creating something of value out of an idea that is new to you. And whilst, you know, it sounds quite simple, but when we unpack it, there's a lot going on. There's creativity, of course, you know, there has to be creation without, without creative thought and the, the use of the imagination, then we don't innovate, you know, we're just doing the same things. But there has to be something tangible, an outcome, a value that has been created um, out of ideas that are new to you. So not necessarily new to the world either. So I think that if we can help people understand that innovating can be in their day job, um, it can be in their day-to-day work, their processes, but it could also be big step change things that are going on as well. Mm. And that's how I like to sort of frame it, to, get, to make it inclusive to everybody at work. Well, we'll talk about the inclusive part in a minute because that's really important, isn't it? There seems to be a large group of people who are somehow disempowered or alienated from the whole innovation story, because maybe we talk too much about the Elon Musks and the Steve Jobs. Like you say, it's not just technology. I'm curious when you say that, because we tend to think it's just technology, like the television who invented it's inventors, isn't it? It's these guys and predominantly guys in labs with white lab coats, you know, maybe staring out of the window, blue sky thinking, what am I going to invent next? We seem to like that, don't we? Even sort of going back to the ancient Greek myths, it's like Eureka, isn't it? Archimedes. We like these Eureka moments when he he discovered this, (laughs) but that's not really what it's like, is it? I mean, small things, can it be a non-physical thing? Can we innovate service or maybe a charging model or would that class as innovation? Yeah, I think if we break it down into different areas, so of course, product is obviously the most tangible thing that our mm. brain latches onto. But yes, service innovation, process innovation. Um, I mean, a lot of what we're seeing now is processes uh, and processes that may affect services. If you think of platform thinking, things like mm. Uber or Grab or you know, Airbnb, these are largely process innovations that are creating a service. Um, and then we also have aspects like social innovation and um, environmental innovation. I mean, there are so many different aspects. And I think this is really important because... If we, if we just think about it about product or R&D, research and development, new product development, it becomes the domain of those people um, and not really something that everybody can get, that, you know, get involved in, mm. in different degrees and varying levels. And, and I think that goes again back to the inclusivity argument that we really need, if we want to get people to be 
innovating in their work, they need to understand what it means to them in their role, in their job, um, first and foremost, really. Uh, and then to think about, well, what, what then do they do about that and how do they do that? Before we jump into the challenges, then we've got some data market reports that have come out about innovation, which will be interesting to dissect and hear your expert analysis on. Amazon Prime, would that be classed as an innovation? For example, I mean, it's a charging model, service model. Would that yeah. what you would class as innovation rather I would than say it's one type? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Great. Let's talk about the challenges then, Natalie. Two reports that have come out this week. One is from Deloitte, the other from Boston Consulting. Deloitte's Digital Frontier Report and Boston Consulting Innovation Without Borders. Deloitte runs with the headline that there is a technology deficit in the boardroom hindering innovation. It's becoming increasingly complex and there is a lack of skills or lack of enough skills. So that's one part. And then Boston Consulting talks about innovation without borders. There is a high correlation between organizations that had diversity in their DNA and innovation. They were 2.2 times more likely to be a world-class innovator. Help us understand, first part, Deloitte, Digital Frontier, there's a technology deficit. And yeah. what's going on there? It seems almost increasingly complex, doesn't it? It's like we can't keep up with innovation. What, what are the conversations you like? I mean, what are the conversations you have like with people at the front line of innovation about this? Yeah, I, and I think, again, we, we've got to unpack, haven't we? We've got to unpack some of this complexity. Um, and I think one of the big challenges in the boardroom at a top leadership level is we're thinking of innovation in different ways. So if we break it down into three, three aspects, and I think this is a really useful model to help leaders as well, is you know we have what we call like horizon one. Horizon one thinking is business of today. Yeah, the stuff that you're trying to do today to keep your business alive, the things that you're working on right now. Uh, we have horizon two, which is more sort of things that are disrupting or changing your environment that you need to be aware of to exploit um, in order to have new opportunities, new possibilities. And then we have horizon three, which was in the past seemed to be the really disruptive things that were going on. And it was always seemed to be in the future uh, yeah. where, you know, you do your planning, you do your strategic thinking and strategic planning for that horizon. That's why it was called horizon three. It was like down the road somewhere. Whereas now, and particularly since COVID, um, and obviously with the technological change that's around us, is that there's been a compression so horizon two is like horizon one and horizon three is like horizon two. And we're, we're all trying to manage it in the same way, yet mm. they need different forms of management. You, you're going to lead and manage it, horizon one quite differently to say horizon two and horizon three, but you can't, you have to do them concurrently. Mm. And I think this is where one of the big challenges is, you know, in a, in a, for leaders now is thinking because so much emphasis is on the immediate horizon and mm. and it and it can't be it has to be simultaneously looking at these other aspects as well they're equally important if i was let's say we're not picking any brands for example but just say as a thought experiment the ceo of an airline i'm working maybe next to me is the chief innovation officer or whatever the job title may be for that airline breaking that down into those horizons 
I guess Horizon One would be you know, dealing with COVID and the post-COVID reality of airline, and you know, shoring up the balance sheet. Maybe what would two and three look like for an airline when it comes to innovation? What kind of things would they be focusing on? Yeah, good question. I think you know, for Horizon Two, it will be more about you know the aspects of sustainability. Um, how how are how is transportation really mm. going to be sustainable? Um, how's you know fuel? You know all of those areas around that. Horizon three. Well, that might be. Well, what is the whole future of flight? <laughs> you know, mm. I mean, is is it going to look similar to what we have now? You know, what what is there that we're not even imagining? You know, is there is there going to be a complete disruption in terms of how we see the future? And I think there are some people that are thinking along those lines. Um, but the immediate environment, obviously, for them to stay in business is is really, like you say, to really be focusing on that horizon one. But we've got to be looking at the three mm. in parallel. And that's why putting a process in place and a framework for this is really important. So everything gets its due focus. Otherwise, you're just focusing on what's front and center or demanding attention right now, what's urgent. And it's always going to be like that, isn't it, in, in the business world? That is, that is the issue. Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll look at that and look at your frameworks as well and look at six eyes. Before we get there, the Boston consulting piece about diversity. I don't know if you, you a long, long time ago, there was a book published, um, Wisdom of the Crowds by James yeah. Surowiecki, and there was an experiment in it counting the jelly beans at the country fair. And he found that, you know, nobody knew how many jelly beans were in the jar. It was impossible. You couldn't count it. You couldn't physically count them either because there was thousands, but they gave it to groups of people. And obviously the group that was all white and all male against another group that was a lot more diverse, not just in terms of, you know, demographics, but backgrounds, ages, and so on. But the more diverse they were, the more accurate they were, which was really interesting. So that jelly bean experiment, it, as trite as it seems, there's a lot of truths in that. And Boston Consulting backed that up with the correlation between diversity and innovation. Why is that? I think it's because ideas can't, particularly now, we're dealing with such complex problems um, and challenges and opportunities that it, it doesn't just come from one type of thinking or thought pattern. And you know, diversity obviously can come in many different ways. It can come in you know, different types of people, uh, but it also can come in the, the orientation of mind. So if we think of people who we might deem creative, you know, the people that mm. come up with the ideas, you know, that spark the ideas, you know, obviously they're, they're very, very important because without them, then you know, we, we haven't got you know, we haven't got anything to build on. But, you know, equally, we need those that are really, really good at implementation, you know, that can actually drive the idea out into the world. And, and oftentimes, those, those people aren't the same, yet they're both equally important to the innovation journey. Uh, without the implement, implementers amongst us, then we wouldn't actually see those ideas. And it's interesting, you know, when I, we talk a lot about you know, being innovative, most people equate it with just one type of thinking. You know, it's the creative people. Even mm. when you talk about culture, people say, oh, you know, I've got to have an innovative culture. They have in their head a creative culture. But it's not, it's more than that. That's why the diversity element is so, so important that we can be looking at all, looking through different lenses at what we need in order to make our ideas work. 
the innovative culture is that the bean bags and the ping pong table and <laughs> yes, the free point. beer at work is that what people think it is often? i think they do i think people still look at silicon valley you know yeah. and that sort of model of you know the startup you know in the garage now in a sort of you know you're coming together and, and people are all running around and, and being quite creative together i think you know, there is that sort of sense of you know that equates the creative culture and i'm not mm. saying it may not <laughs> you know i'm not saying it may not but there are a lot of other things that we need to make our ideas work can then everybody be innovative i know you talked about the silicon valley model but sure yeah those startups they innovated that was a type of innovation maybe for them it was a lot easier because they had the role models or expectations and maybe when it's just two of you in the garage right it's -hmm. a lot easier to innovate because there's nothing else you start with zero can everybody be innovative um, I think so. I think that if we look at it again through um, the different types of skill sets that we need mm. to be innovative, people, we go back to people who are very good at implementation or improvement either, you know, looking at something that already exists, seeing how it can be done better, done differently. They probably didn't think of themselves as being innovative because they thought the people that came up with the ideas were the innovative one. They just do the work, you know, they just do the job, stuff lands on their desk. So they don't actually, and I think Mm. this is one of the challenges, they don't perceive themselves to be important to making new ideas happen. Um, And therefore, there's there's not a democratization of the the importance of the different types of skill sets that we need to make innovation work. So I think that, yes, I think everybody can be innovative in different ways, depending on their skill set, their mindset, their way of thinking, um, their perception, and that they're they're all equally valid, but they Mm. need to be working together to make the ideas happen. Because otherwise, you can have loads of people that are, and I've worked in organizations and teams like this that are flying around with loads of ideas and opportunities, but can't get traction. They can't get their ideas out there. They haven't got any means to manage those ideas or to even understand which ideas are good ideas to maybe even back in the first place. Hmm. Does that then mean one of the challenges for a leader is that you probably have, you know, if you had a team of 100 people, 95 of them are probably quite passive in the innovation process where, you know, you've got the five who are the experts or the innovators and they're, you know, being tasked to come up with the ideas and then 95 have to just put them into practice. Whereas a leader now, you have to look at the hundred and say, potentially there are a hundred people here who could be part of this process. So rather than, you know, finding new blue sky thinkers, I've got to look at unlocking this potential here. I'm curious about that. Is that actually happening in organizations and how does that take place? You know, what, what do leaders do about that? Are they looking at these hundred people and say, right, now you've all got to be scientists and inventors, get your lab coats on. I, I imagine it's not like that, is it? It's probably something a lot more day to day. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it goes down a lot to structure as well. So, you know, some organizations will have structural elements to support 
innovation or let's let's broaden it out i think because this is where it, it's semantics but it's still important i like to term those that are deemed to be that you know have more creative skill maybe or you know they're the people that are good at spotting as ideas as igniters you know when we mm. think of igniters they're good at getting things going you know they're good at spotting the idea and of course that talent and that way of thinking has to be has to be nurtured whether it's in an innovation lab or uh, you know an innovation department which i think it sometimes can become a misnomer in itself or you know people that are just working and who happen to be quite quite igniter types in in their day job but if we if we look across the organization we're going to have different types of skills and it's all about harnessing the diversity of of the of all the different types mm. you know the identifier so i talk about people who are good at identifying opportunity often they may be hired into an organization and then they're completely crushed you know so they might as individuals be very good at spotting the opportunity seeing where things could things could be going but the cultural aspect of the organization might not support that um and therefore you know they you know they don't they don't actually bring in that skill set to play so these are the six eyes that we're well, touching on there are a couple of them <laughs> the two of the six the eyes there are more yeah. yes. um, you've got the igniters who maybe are the challenge challenges the ones who probably are those blue sky thinkers the identifiers um what else do you have we have the investigators, you know, those are actually really good at testing and prototyping, mm. researching, validating, thinking things through. Very different skill set to the other two. Um, then we have investors. Often the investors aren't even thought about. You know, mm. I think a lot of the time it's, you know, identifiers, igniters, investigators can, can be seen to be the, you know, those that are actually coming up with the things and testing it. But actually the investors are the, what, the people that actually say, yeah, we're going to do it. Yeah, we're going to put money behind it. We're going to put whatever it might be. Uh, we're going to put resources, teaming. Mm. We're going to be looking at how we actually can support new ideas, dear flow through an organization. We've got implementers. I often call that the hard work of innovation. You know, without the implementers, as I said before, we don't actually create value. We don't make anything. We don't impact. And then we have the improvers. The improvers are very good at learning and optimizing and seeing how something could be done different, it could be done better, depending, you know, again, what, what it is. Um, so yeah, these are, these are what I call the six eyes, mm. which are both stages of a journey that ideas go through, but also the types of people in terms of their skill set and mindset, mm. um, in, ter you know, in terms of how, what they can bring in. Yourself. Which one of these <laughs> did you identify with? I imagine you've tested yourself. Where did you come Yes, out? yeah. So we've created a, an assessment tool that measures people's perception of their strengths. So it's not, it's actually mm. not a personality test or a psychological mm. instrument or motivational tool either. It's, it's what do you think you're good at? And uh, on, on the assessment that I've done many times, <laughs> um, I, always, I always still come up the same. I'm an identifier igniter. Um, mm. And it, I, I suppose there's no big surprise there when I look at the types of roles and jobs I've done throughout my career. 
uh, mostly has been in some form or another getting things started, you know, starting, setting things up, working in innovation labs or departments, working as an innovation consultant, uh, director, facilitator. So, so those types of roles have attracted me, I think, mm. personality wise, but my skills have probably have obviously been honed and developed because I have been in those types of environments and continue to pioneer, yeah, to bring in the new. Ignite, uh, but, identify. Yeah, yeah. In that, there must be also an element of understanding your limitations. Wow. Um, I mean, we go way back to Clayton Christensen, The Innovator's Dilemma, which is really about, I suppose, at that top level, identifying the limitations and being an innovator. And even in those days, it was very much limited to those early stage innovations. Um, now that you know what type of innovator you are or where you fit in the innovation process, are you also now more conscious about your limitations or, or you know, at this point, I need to be out of mm. the process or, you know, I need to involve less in these kind of activities, maybe delegate or outsource it? How, how does that work? Yeah, I think that's a really good, really good point. I, and I think oftentimes, particularly leadership, what can happen? You can be an igniting leader, yeah? You can mm. be the person that's coming up with the ideas or encouraging other people to come up with the ideas. Um, and then sometimes you can be very, very frustrating to be around because ideas actually need to move on. And mm. the, the temptation, if you think you're good at something, is to keep doing it when really actually you need to pass the baton. I liken it to a, like a relay race, you know? Mm. The idea is the baton and they've got the different runners and, um, you know, it's, Oftentimes, you know, uh, with I'm lower on investigate. It's something that I know is more of a blind spot for me. But that doesn't mean to say I've got to become good at it. No, yeah. I need to find other people that are good at it. And I have done that. And, you know, we work with you know, very clever people. You can imagine building a system such mm. as this with all of the data you have to collect and analyze and, and um, build into models. So it's, so it's about passing the baton. It's about understanding yourself and your strengths and playing to your strengths, but not at the expense of what ideas might need to happen. Because mm. otherwise you become a bottleneck to your own idea flow. Uh, and that can often happen, I think, with igniters and with, with companies that have very high ignite culture within them. Mm. Yeah, and a sense of acceptance, I guess, of that's a sign of good leadership is knowing your limits and who you need in the team. Um, I see, for example, like James Dyson, he is the igniter probably that many people think of when they think of the blue sky thinker, you know, bagless, vacuum cleaner, stuff like that. But he has a CEO who runs the business so that such that he can focus on, you know, lab work effectively. Mm. And I'm sure he has a lot of people all the way on that chain that pick up where many probably less skilled leaders would simply want to own the whole process and are probably their own worst enemies, the fact that they want to do everything yeah. all the way right down to the, the last part as well. So I guess that's a big part, isn't it, of leadership, that humility and understanding, actually, I'm not very good at this part, but maybe having this sort of test tell me that, that I need mm. somebody who's better than me at that, right? Yeah, and I think it's also from a leadership perspective or an organizational development perspective is thinking through the stages of the innovation journey um, to make sure you've got the processes to support the different parts. You know, so an Ignite process 
Mm. Could be, you know, that you've got great crowdsourcing software or you've got an ena- you enable people to be able to input ideas on challenges. Um, you know, there's sort of great technologies now that are enabling that. And the culture can be that, you know, we've heard of things where you have time set aside in, you know, in your working week to just be free thinking mm. um, and you know, aspects around that. And that can help to encourage the Ignite culture. But you need to also make sure that you're embedding it into a process. Otherwise, it just becomes a random thing that mm. may or may not happen or it's down, left down to the person that happens to have got the idea and have enough clout to make the idea happen. Um, but equally, if you haven't got good implementation culture around innovation, then you end up not having good project management. Mm. For example, a great processes to support is innovation management systems that allow you actually to manage your idea flow, as well as having that culture of dedication, commitment. You know, people are persevering through difficulties and challenges. So I think it's about thinking it from through about people, but also about systems Mm. and processes that enable those people to actually contribute their skills. I like the idea of systems in innovation as well. And we see that work over the long term. And there's some great examples. There's a large IT company who shall remain unnamed in this conversation. Uh, But let's just say they were once famous for making printers. They, um, you mentioned crowdsourcing. They had a, a very large investment in a crowdsourcing website, which was their own. And uh, it generated a lot of product ideas. And let's say there was 200 product ideas. You know, the people who gave those were customers, partners, maybe even employees. They all you know, invested time in creating these product ideas. They didn't implement a single one of them mm. because they had this top of the funnel, you know, wealth of ideas, but nothing to follow through on it. And you can actually see that whilst you may say, actually, well, okay, you know, no loss. We lost money on the project. Actually, it's probably damaging to the the whole, to the, you know, that probably annoyed a lot of people and employees as well. I imagine how many very, you know, valuable employees probably left as a result of that, you know, because people do leave when they feel nobody, you know, values their work or not necessarily because of the the salary it's things like that isn't it and that's why including people in the process you know is great for creating teams if i can contribute even if i'm you know at this end of the innovation process i feel i'm part of this absolutely and the identifiers as well you know i think that now, going back through part of my career history, I was hired in initially to be um, a data analyst, actually, uh, way back. And, 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 I, and, you know, being lower on investigator wasn't actually a good fit for me. But luckily, I had a boss at the time who said, Natalie, I think you should be a scout. You know, you mm. should be out there looking for new opportunities for the organization. And and that was my job. I mean, what a fantastic role. I mean, I was out at conferences. My whole job was to literally look at how, you know, technology was changing certain markets. And um, and I would bring all this stuff in, but the problem was when it all got shared back in, it was like, oh, well, that was interesting, but let's <laughs> let's just park that for now. So you know, you can have some really great managers that can support mm. you, but if it doesn't actually get embedded into the ways of working, you know, in terms of uh, you know enabling these skills and the ideas and the opportunities that might flow through them to actually be realised 
then you can end up investing uh, and wasting quite a lot of lot of time and money. Mm. Moving on to the conversation about women in innovation, and also I want to talk a bit about purpose. Uh, yes, you can innovate. I imagine there's a lot of women who probably didn't even think they were involved in the innovation process or maybe thought it wasn't something that they would be doing or should be doing. Obviously, you're a woman, you've been involved in the innovation process. I'm sure you faced a lot of resistance in your time, especially the more you got into the world of tech as well. I'm sure there aren't many women out there that we think of as innovators. Is there a cultural resistance to that? Is it something like going way back, you know, to the days when kids or boys were allowed to play with sharp objects and women had to kind of, you know, their dolls and prams and stuff like that. I know that's a very broad generalization, <laughs> but we're still dealing with it today, aren't we? Is there, is there a lot of that or, you know, I mean. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting one because I was a tomboy. So that <laughs> <laughs> equates for it. I didn't actually play much with dolls. I used to be climbing trees. Yeah. But you were the exception um, though, right? I was an exception, yes. I think that I, I'm, I'm sure obviously our different cultural backgrounds, upbringing, everything else is, influencing um, the way that we we show up, turn up, speak up. Um, I think that, you know, there's a whole area of confidence that is required. And, and let's go back to, well, let's break down what it means to be innovative, because obviously mm. there are a lot of women that are fantastic implementers and, and you know, driving ideas out into the world that might not have even thought of themselves as innovators. Mm. But it's the people that maybe hit the headlines as the pioneering types, um, a lot of that, you know, they may well be more on the igniter, the identifier type type of um, you know, skill set. But I think, you know, what we are seeing is a lot of women that are now, you know, not just in the corporate world, but the women that are, you know, are leaving corporate and actually setting up hmm. businesses and running them very successfully. Um, I think what we need to see is more, more coverage, you know, more coverage of these stories, you know, understand what women are doing. And um, myself and Hype Innovation, which is another innovation company, we set up something called Women in Innovation a couple of years ago to do this very thing, both for corporate women and, you know, for women that are doing their own thing, is to encourage them to show them, actually, there are hundreds of us, mm. thousands of us out there doing stuff. But a lot of the time, people don't speak up. They don't share. They don't share their stories. Um, we wrote a book, uh, uh, myself and another uh, group of women, a few years ago called Unleash Your Voice, you know, powerful speaking for every woman. And I think they, they are there, we are there. It's more a matter of actually putting the, the lens on us and, and developing more role models, positive role models that people can say, mm. wow, actually you, you've done this, I can do this. And to encourage more women to, to step into roles of innovation leadership, particularly in the corporate world. Mm. That must be interesting, isn't it? When you have women in that, that scenario who realize there's actually a lot of women out there doing this. Yeah. That must be a bit of an eye opener, isn't it? Well, I wonder how they react to that. Having spent, you know, probably 20 or 30 years in corporate. Wow. I didn't realize all these women were out there doing these amazing things. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe sometimes people didn't even realize they were. I think, it, again, it's about giving language and um, giving people a sense of understanding of how they are contributing. And, you know, with, with what we set up, Women in Innovation, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of women that joined that, and, and a lot of the feedback that we were getting was, wow, 
There are other people like us out there, and there are people like you, and you know it's great to be inspired. You know, and I think、mm. it's also about a lot of men also belong to women in innovation because they're wanting to support more women to actually step up, step out, and、uh, speak up. I I think around you know、um, being active role models in their organisations to help drive change. Yeah, it's great. I mean. Purely from the perspective of being a man, as well, I speak for all men, obviously. <laughs> that having that sort of diversity of thought is so important. And we talked about jelly beans, for example, but how that also covers blind spots, doesn't it? That a big part of innovation is the fact that it could be driven by ego or strong personalities, the loudest voice in the room, which tends to be, you know, this is a great idea, and then everybody else is sort of nodding their heads, and that happens in. Well, it's more likely to happen in less diverse teams, isn't it? And where you have、yeah. more diversity, somebody says, "Wait a minute, that's not what I'm used to,"、mm. and then you have that healthy debate, even though it might feel less functional. You know, you have a team that seems to be at odds with each other and you know debating things, or that's not how we do it. And maybe they're not getting things done, but maybe what they're not getting done are the things which aren't or don't make a difference as well. So. Yeah, I think this collaborating is a- too. I think collaboration is a really, really key skill in innovating now, and、um, having that, being able to pass the baton, being able to draw people into, being able to facilitate, have often been sort of seen more as you know more skills associated with women. But、mm. of course, you know, you know, not excluding all men here.、Um, but it's,、uh, it, I think that's another reason because we need. We do need that these days. It's not so much command and control and drive、mm. it through.、Um, it's it, there are different forms of leadership and different ways of engaging and motivating people. Let's talk about purpose and finishing up there because we started talking about entheo, enthusiasm, that spirit, and a lot of companies now are looking for that, aren't they? They're looking for a reason. Whether it be you know, hordes of workers coming back to the office, thinking, "Why am I here?" You know, they spent two years questioning why they're here. So people are asking these kind of more existential questions about work now, or companies trying to find purpose to you know appeal to talent or to work with partners. And so everybody's talking about purpose now. It's a very you know, it's the word du jour. Yeah. So how how does that fit into innovation? Are these two different things, or are they one of the same? I think that they are. They really dovetail together. It's interesting when I created the Six Eyes of Innovation,、um, I had purpose at the centre of the model, and this was a long、mm. time before purpose was being spoken about. But the intention of that was to to help people to think about purpose on different types of levels. And to be thinking about what's the purpose of what they're trying to create, because we we don't want just any old innovation these days, do we?、Mm. We we need things that actually has a purpose that runs through it. And when I talk about purpose, I I mean purposeful positive impact, because <laughs> you can have a purpose which isn't that positive. <laughs> yeah, positive impact on people on planet of really thinking through, you know, what is what's going to be the impact of what I'm trying to create. So if you if you like, that could be sort of on the higher level. But I think even down to our own individual purpose, we're wanting to have a sense of meaning and contribution, 
and to feel that our lives matter. And so if we are able to thread through, you know, I'm doing this, you know, I'm doing this role, this job in this team. My purpose is to contribute mm. to this team, which contributes to this department, which contributes to this organization, which is impacting the world, hopefully in a positive way. Then we have that alignment, that thread that runs through us from inside the self right through to our, our greater impact, even if what we're doing is actually quite small, you know, it may, yeah. maybe we didn't see it that way before. So I think that we can talk about levels of purpose as well as like project purpose, you know, what's the purpose of what this team is trying to do or a project team is trying to, to create. So absolutely, I think purpose is, is something that um, can both drive the outcomes of the innovations that we're trying to bring into the world um, and in a positive, purposeful way, sustainable way, but also be thinking about our own individual purpose within that. Hmm. So I'm curious about purpose. I'm curious about innovation generally, and more so where I fit in as an individual, you know, where am I in the six eyes? You know, what type am I? What are my strengths and weaknesses in innovation? Obviously, innovation is a very large mountain to climb and you don't climb it all in one day, but you can take a few steps forward. Where do I go if I am in actively involved in innovation in my corporate or I am, you know, consulting back to corporates or clients in and around innovation, or I'm just very curious about this, about how can I improve or, you know, better serve or, you know, focus on, you know, that end goal of purpose in my organization. What are the steps? What are the easy steps, the quick wins that I can take? Maybe checking out some of your work, obviously, but there's more structure there, isn't there? Mm, absolutely. I think, you know, just to start with, and this, you know, it sounds, it may sound simplistic, but it isn't actually. It's like the foundation is really to have, start having the conversation with people. What does it mean to be innovative? Hmm. Because there are billions and billions of hits and, you know, on Google or whatever, and you're going to get hundreds and hundreds of definitions. I have my own definition. We have our definitions. But it's really thinking, well, what does it mean to you? You know, what does it mean to you to be innovative? And therefore, what do you need to be innovative? What's going to help you? Um, because if people don't own it, if they don't have a sense of actually this is important to me, Mm. Um, uh, then they're not going to do it. And they're not, it's not even that they're not going to do it. They're not going to even see that they're doing it, even if they are doing it. So it's, it, this is all really around that aspect of mindset, I think, is, is to start the conversation, to have the conversation. So that's where I would say to start. And then I think, you know, it, what can help people is to have frameworks, is to give people a language around innovation, that innovation isn't just the people, the men in white coats in garages, you know, or R&D departments and scientific discovery. It's all these other things. And there's different levels and different scopes and scales of innovation. So to help people understand that, and then give them a give them a process, a method, a way to innovate, and then help to develop some of the skills, give tools and support that will enable them to be more innovative, um, you know, in their in their day to day work and on projects. You've also got your innovation. I wouldn't say it's personality test, like you said, but it's more strengths finders, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You've got those aimed at people who may be listening as well that maybe want to discover 
where they fit in as well, their own strengths. So where do we go for all of this? Where's the jumping off point? Hmm. Well, our site is called um, www.6-innovation.com. Um, on there, you can find out all about the six eyes. Um, I have a book site called yesyoucaninnovate.com. Mm. Um, we have a free masterclass at the moment, uh, six keys to unlocking the innovation potential of teams. So feel free to register for that. Uh, there's a free download of the Ignite chapter of my book on mm. the yesyoucaninnovate.com um, site as well. So there are a few starting points and people you know, can feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. Natalie Turner, everybody. Yes, you can innovate.com is probably a good starting point, isn't it? Where we can find out about your work and get into the the weeds, if I can say that, of innovation and learn a bit about what innovation is and what it isn't as well. Um, Natalie, thanks for joining us today and giving us a walk through this increasingly complex world. So thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to the XL Podcast with me, Graham Brown. To subscribe and discover more conversations, go to www.xlpodcast.org.